0: Good evening, and welcome to episode 12 of Dinnertime Discipleship with the Patel family. I am Neeraj, and I'm here with my bride of approximately 17 years? Hi. Sure, let's go
1: with okay. it. We'll go with 17.
0: <laughs> uh, Christine and my kids, Noah. Hi. Eva. Hi. And so uh, today we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> oh, did I forget somebody? Who did I forget?
2: I don't
0: know. What's your name? Leela. Leela. Um, we're closing in on, I guess, 900 followers now on Facebook, which means that there's probably some new folks listening to this. And so maybe we should just briefly recap what this podcast is about. Eva, what's this podcast about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eva. <laughs> Technically, you're not wrong. What was for dinner tonight, by the way? Fish tacos. And what we have for dessert? Ice cream. What kind of ice cream? Cookies and cream. Homemade cookies and cream. It was amazing. Way to go, Eva. Yay!
0: It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I gotta admit.
1: Thanks, Eva. <laughs>
0: uh... Okay, so Eva, what's this podcast about? How would you summarize it? Someone new who's listening, what are we here to talk about?
2: Helping people grow their faith towards Jesus.
0: Okay, that's great. Uh, Noah, what do you think? What is this podcast about?
3: Um, just We just talk about God. Like um, We just think about topics about God and talk about them.
0: That's fair, too. It's pretty random. Um, Leela, how about you?
2: Like the last three episodes?
0: Or? Generally. Like- generally and the last three episodes, because that's important too. We're going we're gonna to be, sorry, the last two episodes, because today is the third part of our three-part series uh, that we've been going through on, on truth, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us what you think the podcast is about generally? And then specifically about the past two episodes and and today.
2: Well, the last two episodes have been about truth and...
1: What is the whole thing about?
2: (laughs) Getting people's relationships closer to God.
0: That's good. That's right. We're here just to record our conversations with our family, our, our... discipleship time with our kids and you know hopefully that that stirs conversations in other people's families and listeners' families maybe if you're a parent listening it'll give you some ideas for something to discuss with your kids tonight or uh, or or anytime really whenever you get the time to to talk to them and i um, just encourage you to to pursue your family pursue godliness and holiness with your family pursue and encourage your children and, and your and your spouse or your significant other to pursue that relationship with Jesus and to pursue Jesus Himself um, just every day, you know, with zeal and with enthusiasm and with with your whole heart and your whole mind and your whole your whole soul. Uh Leela, would you pray and we can get started? You're looking at me all weird now like it's a big quest. I thought the other day you were jumping up and down to pray. What's changed? Mm-hmm. Nothing, right? There's so go a microphone ahead. microphone in
1: her face. Yeah, there's go always ahead. a microphone in her face. Go,
0: ahead.
2: go on. Well, do we don't have all day, baby. Let's go. Dear God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Thank you that thank you that we got to have delicious dinner tonight. And I even made delicious homemade cookies and cream ice cream. And just that we have a family to love and that takes care of us. And amen. 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 Thank
0: you, baby. Um, okay, so. This is, a th- like I said earlier, this is the third part of a three-part series. We've been talking about truth, and not just truth by itself, but truth as it relates to um, the, the, the truth of the Christian faith. And so in episode one of this series, what do we talk about?
1: We talked about absolute and relative truth.
0: Meaning that there is such a thing as absolute truth and there's not such a thing as relative truth. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's not just something we believe. That's something we know, right? It's very easy. It's something very easy to prove. Even the statement, somebody says to you, there's no such thing as absolute truth. What would you say to them now? If they say that to you?
3: Yeah. Just like I said last time, uh, there's no such thing as absolute truth and nothing would exist because you could think of a statement that the universe exists. And if um, if that's not absolute truth that the universe exists, then it doesn't exist.
0: He came up with that himself, which I was pretty proud of. That that's a really creative and, and good argument, and I agree with it. Um, I I I usually say if somebody tells me no absolute truth exists, then I I turn back to them and say, well, what you just said, you can't know if that's true either. Then, right? You made a, you made a statement about the truth. Absolute truth doesn't exist, and so the statement you just made—you uh, don't know if that's true either. Um, so anyway, that was part one. Part two of of the three part series was we each of us was assigned a different religion, different world religion. So Noah had what was it? Uh, Islam? Islam, yeah. And then Eva had Hinduism, you... and Christine had
1: the LDS Church. Which is Mormonism. the Mormon church.
0: Yeah. Uh, Leela, what'd you have?
1: Buddhism.
0: And I had Jehovah's Witnesses, which is the Watchtower Society. And um, we, we sort of described each one, um, the features of each one, and compared and contrasted how they're similar and different. And the bottom line was we we, we gave examples, we showed how these different major world religions have different views on some really, really important things. Like, for example, just as one example, the identity of Jesus Christ. In the Christian faith, Jesus is the Son of God. In Islam, he is not the Son of God. Now, those can't both be true. Either he is or he isn't. And so that claim that Jesus is the Son of God by Christianity, or that he's not the Son of God by Islam, one of those is true and one of those is false, which is an example. It's an illustration of how uh, there is such a thing as absolute truth. Truth is not relative Uh, So today, today in part three, we're going to talk about um, why we believe that the Christian faith is the correct one. And I know that a lot of people out there listening are like, ah, oh, you know, even saying something like a particular religion is correct and others are incorrect, uh, that 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 is offensive to modern ears. But that's not really even the case. I mean, it's the gospel, and, and you know, Jesus says the gospel is an offense, right? So the message, the, the idea that truth can be absolute. Or that the Christian faith, or even for that matter, Islam or Hinduism or whatever, is the one true religion, the one true faith. Uh, That is offensive to people. That is is an offensive message to hear. But, like we've talked about over and over and over again, beating a dead horse here, we've explained over and over how there is such a thing as absolute truth. And if there is, then that means, that has to mean that one of these religions is true. Well, it has to mean that none of them, not all of them can be true. At most, one of them can be true. And we believe that the Christian faith is true. And so today's, today's episode is talking about that. So I want to turn it over to Christine for a little bit. And um, there's really kind of two parts to this. We were, we were taking a walk last night. We were talking about this. And so, Christine, we, we were talking about this issue. And I wanted to bring it up during the podcast. Um, you know, we, Christine and I approach this kind of different ways. And you know what I'm talking about. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you kind of tee that up and then talk a little bit about the, the sort of the faith aspect. And then, um, you know, just sort of the internal aspect. And then I'll talk about the logical aspect.
1: Right. So there's two different ways.
0: Um... And kids, I, I know we're talking a little, bit, a little bit long to start off, but please listen, okay? Because we're going to be st- asking you questions in a minute.
1: And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to y'all
0: kids. Right.
1: Uh, there's two different ways to think about your faith. Um, and I think that, um, neither one is, is wrong and neither one means like, if you approach one way that your faith, one way doesn't mean that the other way is, you know, you're comp- you completely don't have that. It's either one or the other. You can have both. So it's by logic. You can reach your, your point of faith by logicking your way through it. I don't know if logicking is a word, but I just made it up, but you can use logic to get your way into believing in your faith but you can also use um I'm going to use the word emotion but that's not quite the right word. Um I think you guys know what I mean when um you have a feeling but it's not quite a feeling it's a truth like you know that you know. So like Eva, do you remember that time when you um came to the decision that you were ready to be baptized? Do you remember you were talking about how you were just like, you were in the shower and you were washing your hair and you were praying and asking God if he was real? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And what did you, what, explain what happened? Do you remember? Not much. Not much. Well, I
2: remember I was picking up a bar of soap and then I just felt something.
1: Yeah. And what did you feel? Like, explain it. You you knew something after you felt that. What was it? I
2: don't know what it was. I just felt
3: God.
1: You felt like it was God. Like, there weren't words for it, right? That's what we, I mean, we talked about this after, right after it happened. I remember, that's the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people come to their faith that way. They have this experience. And I, I'm saying the word feeling, but it's not quite a feeling. But it's something where you just feel it and you know. You know in your soul that that is true, whatever it was. Like for you, you were questioning God, are you real? And you felt like God was saying, like, I'm here and I'm real.
2: Like, it was like I was sleeping in the Holy Spirit through a rock at my head. And I was like, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what, what Daddy was just explaining, that. Um, you know, some people come come at it in in that sort of way, and it's very hard uh, to to say to somebody that wasn't real, uh, because a lot of people will have that experience and say that it was real, say that it was correct, but it completely contradicts what somebody else's experience was. And when I say contradicts, I mean like somebody can feel like what you felt, Eva, and then somebody else could feel feel the same thing. Where God's saying, "I'm not real." They're two completely opposite things. How do you know which one is which? And you can't just go by what you f- what you feel in your soul. Um, that's a good thing to start with. Most people, I think, start with that. That's the way I approach my faith. But like your dad approaches it in a very different way. He approaches it more um, analytically. Do you guys know what analytically means? Analysis? Yeah, it's like analysis or analyze. Do you guys know what that means? Mm-hmm. What does analyze mean, Noah?
3: It means like you look over it and try to come to a conclusion.
1: Yeah, you, you look at all the details. You look at all the little things and you put it all together to come to a conclusion. That's a very good answer, Noah. So there are very different ways to approach faith, right? But um, neither one is wrong. Um, neither one is better than the other one. But you can't have just one or the other, you have to have both. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you have to have both?
2: You can't rely on logic or feeling alone.
0: Why not? This is really important, what you just said. I think that's correct, but why? Why is it important not to rely on feelings alone? Or logic alone.
3: Because you could just feel like, you could feel anything's true, even if it's
1: not,
2: And you
1: have to have logic to back yourself up. There you go. Very Very good. good. That's very good. So that's really important. I want to say that again so that Leela catches it. Do you understand what they just said? You can't have just feeling or just logic because your feelings can lie to you sometimes. So you have to have logic to back up or prove your feelings. Does that make sense?
0: So, for example, the Holy Spirit could be moving your heart, Leela, and be showing himself to you showing God to you right and you feel that connection with God right but that's if you try to go share that with somebody else that may or may not be enough for them because if you go let's so let's say for example you go talk to a Muslim person and you say you know I know Christianity is real I know Jesus is real because I just feel it in my heart well what are they going to say
2: no that's not that's
0: not true. Well, I think they're going to say, well, I feel this in my heart. I feel Allah in my heart. And I know that he is real. And I know Islam is true. So then what do you do? You're both just saying, no, I feel it in my heart. No, I feel it in my heart. <laughs> who's correct? You have no way of knowing who's correct. Which is why Eva saying... Right. You have to have reasons for... To, to explain why the thing you feel in your heart is is really legitimate it, it, not legitimate but it's, it's real it, the, the truth behind it does that make sense? no?
1: yeah I think it does well,
0: I'm asking the kids do, do you understand?
2: so um, you because your feelings you you and an some other people's feelings could contradict
1: each other. We need logic to make sure. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly right. Did you understand that, Leela? Because you were shaking your head no when Daddy asked if you understood. Did you understand what Eva just said? Yeah. Can
0: you explain it or not?
3: It, uh, I think I can explain it. Okay. So it, it's like a balanced skill. So both sides have like, uh, I feel like it which it up because that's like the same thing.
0: Well, but, you got to talk slower. We can't understand you.
3: So it's like a balanced skill. One side has feelings and the other also has feelings. So that then makes it balance because they both have feelings, mm-hmm. but the logic backs it up. So if one side has the logic, then it must be true because it's, uh, it has the same thing. But with logic.
0: Good job. Will. Very good.
1: That's a really good explanation. I
3: like that
0: really visual.
1: Well? Mm-hmm. Okay. I like we was given the visual about the scale, like, you know, I know we talked about how like faith is not necessarily a scale of good and bad, but we're talking about a scale of emotion. They're both going to be equal, but when you add logic behind it, um, you know, it's much weightier.
0: So Leela, they're basically saying that if I say I believe Jesus is real, and somebody from another religion says, No, I believe my religion is real, because I feel it in my heart, then we're both feeling things in our heart that are opposite from each other. They can't both be true, right? So how do you know how do we know which one is right? We don't. We don't. Which is why we need to use other things. We need to give good reasons. I know you don't know what those are yet. We're going to get into that, you know, a little bit today, hopefully more in the future. But you need to have reasons why you believe that, why you know that Jesus is who he claims to be. Do you understand? Okay. Um, Christine, do you want to say anything else on that point?
1: There was, but I forgot.
0: Okay. Okay. So this whole, I mean, I I have an illustration that I've I've used a lot. I've taught, uh, if you don't know what apologetics is, uh, it's um, the, what is it, baby? Okay. Um, Apologetics is the defense of the Christian faith. Really, it's a defense of any, any line of thought. But in this context, it's the... Defense of the Christian faith using logic and reason, and um, I've studied apologetics for for a long time. I've taught apologetics in in church, and one of the illustrations I like to have in my you know start off these classes is what the bridge. The bridge. Okay, can you explain the bridge? Um, Do so your best. And, and this this illustration <laughs> that Eva's about. This illustration that Eva's going to try to give I say I was going to say he's going to give but now looking at her face I'm going to say she's going to try to give it. Uh is is a really good it, it ties it up really neatly what Christine is talking about about you know you need the fa- you need the reason but you also need the faith. So go ahead, Eva, tr- give it a shot.
2: She's gonna- scared to
0: start. <laughs> no, if you're wrong it's fine. It's, we don't care. Go for it. Say what you remember.
2: So there's a big gap of I don't know, and the other side is I do know. So the block you have blocks.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, Why <is> <laughs> there's
2: different sides. She, she. Each side is a religion. So the blocks are proof that the religion exists. So, um. Krishna is the furthest, so
1: yay!
0: No, that's, not, I don't that's know. not. So, do you remember Noah? I don't no. Okay, Lila, do you? Christine, do you?
1: I thought I remember something about there being like, um, if you imagine, sort of like the Grand Canyon, where you've got like this big
0: <laughs> chasm. chasm. Yeah, no.
1: chasm between two surfaces, and um, if one side is my reasoning my mm-hmm. my my belief my feeling whatever the other side is absolute total 100% belief in god you want to get all the way across as much as you can but obviously you know we can't do that on our own there has to be you have to you have to go with the with the faith that gets you the farthest across no
0: so not exactly that's kind of what eva was saying but that's not exactly right uh oh Uh-oh. what was that your phone oh that was my book so, so here, here's the illustration, I think, is it really, like I said, ties up neatly what, what Christine was talking about, about the importance of not just uh, faith, having faith, but also reason and logic and, and, and um, this whole field of apologetics. Right. Um, imagine that there is there are two cliff sides and there's a big gap, like a big um, bottomless pit in between those two cliff sides. And one, one of those cliff sides represents the what I call the land of unbelief, right? So you're starting with not you're just starting with the land of atheism, basically. You don't believe that God exists in that land. And the other cliff side represents the land of belief. That's the land of uh, of believing that God exists. You're a theist, or you're let's say you're even you're even a Christian on that on that uh, cliff side. So you've got a big gap between these two, between the land of belief and the land of unbelief. And so you can use, uh, you can imagine that you're building a bridge across this gap and you're using two by fours, you know, just putting one after another, after another, after another. And each of these two by fours represents a piece of evidence that Not only that God is real, but that also Jesus or or, or the Christian faith is real, right? So you can build a bridge, one plank after another plank after another plank, with each of those planks being some little piece of evidence that makes it more and more likely that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the son of God and the gospel is real and the church teaches is real and all these things. But here's the problem is that you're never going to have enough planks to build the bridge all the way across. You're never going to have enough planks to to build a bridge from the land of unbelief all the way across that big gap to the land of belief. Because the reason is there's no absolute proof that God exists. It doesn't it's not out there. We don't have that. And I know a lot of people like to say, a lot of believers like to say that, oh, I I can prove God exists. I'd be shocked if you, I mean, I'd be shocked if you could prove God exists. I don't think that's possible. Not not in this lifetime. And so you're not going to have enough planks to build this bridge all the way across to the land of belief so that an atheist or someone who is not a Christian can walk across this bridge of evidence all the way across to the land of belief there's always, you're always gonna fall short. You're gonna be missing a few two by four, a few planks to, before you can make it all the way across and complete the bridge. And so what I like to say is that if you're an unbeliever, you can walk across this bridge, this this sort of incomplete bridge, one step after another step after another step on, on different types and pieces of evidence, but at the end, at the end, you're going to have to make a leap of faith, right? You're going to have to make a leap of faith because there is a gap that remains between the bridge and the land of belief. So there is logic, there is reason, there is evidence for God. All these things exist. I don't care what atheists say. Uh, sometimes I think they don't understand what logic and reason actually mean, what those terms actually mean in the dictionary. But they exist. There is logic and reason evidenced in the whole field of apologetics to support uh to give you good reasons why you should believe. But ultimately, it is true that you will need to make a leap of faith to get to the land of belief in God because there is no absolute proof that he exists. Does that make sense? Is that a good illustration? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes.
1: yes. I have a okay. few, few. Go Sorry. ahead. No. I... Sorry.
3: So what you mean is uh, in the land of belief, there's still no proof. Slow way down. So what you mean is, uh, this is basically a good summary. So in the land of belief, there's no actual proof, but you're just making just enough so uh, the atheist can come to the land of belief. So, so there's no proof that God exists, but there's also no proof that he does not exist.
1: Yeah, you want to get your bridge to go as far across as you can. Some people don't need a lot of planks. Some people need all a lot. Um, which kind of, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that it leads to a really interesting question. Well, hang
0: on before you go on. I'm not sure he understood, or maybe I didn't understand him. Can you say again what you just said, slowly?
3: So, there, there's no actual proof on either side. So there's no proof on the religious side with uh, or the atheist side because there's no proof that, that God does exist. But there's not, also no proof that he's does not exist. No, it's but, not
1: that there's no proof. It's that there's if you if you weigh the evidence one against the other, there there is more evidence that God does exist. But you have to pair it with the what I call that calling of the Holy Spirit um, that we just talked about a little while ago. When you add that on, it's enough to get you to where you need to be. You can't do it on logic alone. Okay. So that kind of leads to... Um well,
0: hang on, hang on. I know you want to jump ahead, but like, I, I, I don't think Noah's clear on this. So I want to make sure he understands. So let me very briefly summarize. I know that was a long explanation. Let me give you a very brief summary of what I was saying. Here, my hand right here, this is the land of belief, right? If, you, if you're in this land, you believe. And my hand over here, I'm holding it a little bit away, is the land of unbelief, Okay. There are two cliff sides. There's a big gap in between. I'm going to build a bridge from the land of unbelief to the land of belief. This bridge is made up of evidence that God, all the reasons we believe God exists.
1: So we that get, evidence means both logic and... Reasoning. Re, logic and reasoning and the emotion. I say the feeling, but...
0: No, no, I'm no. talking about the Holy Spirit. No it's, that, no, it's not. It's not? It's not. I don't agree okay. the, it's my illustration. How do you not agree? <laughs> uh, continue. The, the planks are actual evidence. Okay? So um, you can point to archaeological evidence. You can point to philosophy. You can point to historical evidence. You can point... There, there are a lot of different types of evidence you can use to build this bridge. Okay? Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be able to build it all the way across. Because you can't prove with, there's no evidence that, no absolute proof that God exists. So at the very end, you have to make a leap. You have to make a jump of faith to get to all the way to the land of belief. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay.
1: So my question is, um, that was a good explanation to lead into what I was going to say. Why is that bridge not built for us all the way across? Why does God not just... Show us clearly. Here mm. I am. Because
2: he wants us to have faith. <laughs> Why?
0: He wants because glory. He wants glory? Well, can't he have glory just by showing us that he exists for for sure?
1: How does he get glory if we have to do something? Because
2: we're...
3: So your question is, why doesn't God just say, like, here I am uh, and just show that he exists? Mm
1: -hmm. Why doesn't he give us absolute proof?
0: I think, by the way, he does. but
1: I I, do, too. Okay.
0: I'm very curious to hear your... your But
3: if he does, then why are you asking why he doesn't?
1: Do you have something
0: new? Because I said... And a moment ago, in my illustration, that there is no absolute proof that God exists. Mm-hmm. So when I say that, I mean like today, right now, I cannot prove. I, nobody can prove to you that He exists, right? Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't prove it for sure. Today, sitting here, right now. Do, do you want to? Did you, I think you were trying to make a point, Christine? Right?
1: Yeah. So. Um... I do think that there is absolute proof that God exists. The fact that you are here is proof that God exists. The fact that the sun comes up every morning is proof that God exists. But that's,
3: isn't that basically a proof of every religion, not just Christianity?
0: hmm uh-huh.
1: Yes. It is proof that there is a creator. It's not me. It's not you. Um, it's, it, the fact that the sun comes up every day is proof that the creator has power, authority to tell it to come up every day. Um, so, I mean, I can point to all these different things in nature that, that, um, will prove that God exists. But if you have made up your mind, you have decided in your heart that God does not exist. Like it's called a presupposition. It means that it's a, an assumption that you've made ahead of time. And it's hard to prove or disprove a presupposition So if you believe something is already, it's hard for you to change your mind. It's harder for you to change your mind than if you just say, I don't know. And then someone tries to convince you. Does that make sense? So like you guys all believe that the sky is blue, right? You've seen it every day. That's your belief. But what if I told you the sky is actually black?
3: It is at night.
1: It is at night. It's actually black until the sun starts shining. It's not actually blue. It just looks blue because of the sun and the way that it's, you know, the, the color of lights that it gives off. Does that make sense?
3: So, so what you're saying is the sky is blue, but it's also black. It, the sky can actually be multiple colors, but you're saying that the sky is blue, but it's also black. But um,
1: it's harder for me to convince you that it's black, isn't it?
3: But it still is black sometimes.
1: Sometimes, yes. But what if I said the default color of the sky is black? You'd well, say maybe, no, it's Maybe it is. Um, the point I'm trying to make isn't about the sky. The point I'm trying to make is that you've already got your mind made up about something. It's going to be hard for me to convince you otherwise. The same is true about faith. If you already have your mind made up about something, maybe that God doesn't exist, it's going to be really hard to change your mind. It's called having a hardened heart. And I think that even as Christians, we can have a hardened heart. We can have in our mind an understanding or a thought about who God is, And um, it's not correct. And we're not willing to change what we think about who God is. A lot of times, you know, this is super common. You'll see people who think that, you know, God is a Republican or God is a Democrat. People believe that. And that's what their mind has been made up to be. God is not either. He doesn't, he doesn't, (laughs) you know, American politics is not, he doesn't have to pick a side. He is far above that. So if somebody believes, for example, that God is a Democrat, it's very hard to convince them that he's not. In the same way, when we're talking about people coming to faith, you're not going to ever convince somebody um, that your faith is, that Christianity is true and correct if their heart is hardened, if, they're, if they've are if decided in their heart that it's not.
0: So you went down this trail um, from the original point that, why, or the question, why has God not given us absolute proof that He exists? Why does He want us to have an element of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, you're saying that there is evidence all around. Creation itself mm-hmm. uh, is evidence that that God exists. That God is real. Mm-hmm. And those who look around at creation and say that no, this was already here, or it's just you know, it, you know, um, there's there doesn't necessarily need to be a creator for all this to exist. That it could have come about simply by, you know, whatever means. And there's really not an alternative, clear alternative theory of what their or- origin was. But but you're saying that those people, um, they're just sort of they they are not open to the possibility that that there is a creator. That this this creation is an evidence of. Of, the, of a creator because is, their hearts are already hardened.
1: Yeah that is one explanation out of many about why I mean the bridge is there but why people don't see that it that it is. It's because they have a hardened heart. I think there's other reasons as well. Um, some people um, I think just are willful willfully
0: choose not to. I I think think there's other reasons as well. I think God has given us absolute proof. Like I Mm -hmm. said, not right now. We don't have it with us right now. But um, if you think back to like the Old Testament, if you were there on the mountaintop with Moses and you were there at the burning bush, if you were there when God was parting the Red Sea so that you could cross it, And when he destroyed the Egyptians, if you were there when Jesus was turning water into wine or walking on the water, if you were there when Jesus was raising Lazarus from the dead, if you were there to witness the resurrection of Jesus, if you saw any of these things, I would think you have absolute proof of God's existence, wouldn't you? But we don't have it today. We we Those are all things just recorded in history. We don't... We can point to a book, but a book is not as convincing as someone seeing it for themselves. An atheist who sees the Bible may not be, be convinced by the Bible. An atheist who gets to put his fingers like Thomas the, the Apostle did into Jesus the resurrected Jesus' side, that atheist is going to be convinced.
1: But here's and, the thing. I think... There's still an element of hardness of heart because every example that you gave, well, I can that, that's what
0: I'm getting to, though.
1: That there's people who saw that. I mean, like, it, it was just what, what a matter of days after Moses saw, or not, well, yeah, I guess he did. He saw the back of God, he, he heard from God. And it was just a matter of days later that the people had a golden calf.
0: Well, but or, they, to be fair, they didn't witness that. They, they saw weren't on him the mount. Down
1: and they, they come down and saw his face glowing. Um, but there's also people who saw, you know, Lazarus be raised from the dead and, you know, turned and walked away. They saw the miracles and walked away. I mean, there are people who saw it and still walked away. So it is, it it still points to this hardness of heart. This, it points to people still, there are some people for whom there will never be enough evidence.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, what, what I was going to say, just to wrap up the point is that, um, you know, there's a story of the rich man and Lazarus and Lazarus was a poor man and he lived at the gate of a rich man who ignored him and Lazarus dies and, and the rich man dies. Lazarus goes to heaven. The rich man goes to hell and the rich man's crying out to God and saying, um, you know, I I want to, I want to get out of here. Or, no, he says, I, I want water. I want water. Isn't that right? Yeah. And, um, you know, He says, uh, let me go warn my brothers so that they don't have the same fate I do. And God says to him, sorry, uh, that's not going to happen. Because, you know, even if even if I'm going to butcher this, because it's been a while since I read it, but even if there were a miracle, right, even if Moses himself were to talk to him and uh, talk to your brothers and and explain to them all the things about Jesus, it, it, it wouldn't matter because they would still be hard of heart, right? That they still, if, if, if what has happened in the past is not enough for them, then nothing is going to be enough for them. And so having absolute proof today, I don't think is going to help us. Those people who are hard of heart, just like your mom said, are going to stay hard of heart. And those people who hear the voice of their shepherd, Jesus, they're going to hear the voice of their shepherd. So I don't think, you know, there were... Jesus came to the earth and gave us miracles, gave us absolute proof of God's existence uh, when He was here, and God has done that in the Old Testament times too, and those things were recorded for us. Um, and maybe it's not as convincing as seeing it firsthand. Nevertheless, Jesus tells us that it is. If if you don't believe it already, you know, even if God were to come and prove it to you, you still wouldn't. You still wouldn't have a change of heart. It has to do with. The hardness of your heart, or with the receptiveness of your heart.
1: Did you have something you wanted to say, Eva? Um, Lila, would you mind reading this passage right here that Daddy was talking about? Because I think that um, this is in Luke sixteen that um, talks about rich man and Lazarus. And I think it's really important the response that he gives because it addresses perfectly what we're talking about. Um,
0: Thank you for pointing that out because I was butchering that. On yeah. Um,
1: so Lila, why don't you start reading? Right here, where it says um, he answered in verse 27. And then
2: go all the way down to the all bottom. Yep, yeah, all
1: the way to the bottom. Read it nice and loud. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. He answered. He answered, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus away to my family. Send Lazarus to my family. Abraham will oh, I
1: have. You skipped a line
2: for I have five brothers let him warn them so that they will also not so that they will not also come to this place of
1: torment that means basically hell
2: Abraham replied they have Moses and the prophets let them listen to them no father Abraham he said but if someone from di- from the dead goes to them. They will repent," he said to them. "If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they they won't be convinced. If someone rises from the dead,
1: so even if somebody rises from the dead and tells them, they're not going to be convinced. Jesus is saying there that even if somebody who is dead comes up and speaks to them, they're still not going to believe. I think that. Why do you think that's, that's useful for us to know as Christians, that there are people who still aren't going to believe, even if somebody from the dead comes and tells them? Why do we need to know that?
2: Because it's our job to educate people about Jesus.
1: It yep. is, but why is it important to know that there's people who won't believe?
2: So we know what
0: was... Noah, what do you think? You've been quiet. Hmm.
3: I don't know either.
1: Lila, what do you think? Why do you think we need to know that there's some people who won't believe even if you have somebody rise from the dead and talk to them? Why do we need to know that? What would happen if we didn't know that? Do you think that we would have expectations that everybody has to believe no. If we didn't know that, you think we might have that exp- expectation? Wait. Uh,
3: well, if we if we knew that, then we would not have that expectation. Uh. So, well, knowing that, all knowing that does first is just knowing that um, not everyone's going to believe.
0: I think it's helpful to know not everyone is going to believe because it takes the pressure off. It is not your job to save anybody. It's not your job to, um, to keep trying over and over and over and over again to share the gospel with people who are not receptive and who just throw it back in your face. You can move on. If people aren't interested, you can move on. That's my takeaway. What do you think, Christine? Christine?
1: I agree. I think yeah, that...
0: That's right. Sorry, you can
1: Oh, thanks, John. I agree with you, Dad. I think that, um, you know, there are... We just need to know that there are people who will not believe no matter what you do. And it's a good reminder for us that we don't need to, um, you know, put on a huge show and do all kinds of cool tricks and, you know, do all this amazing stuff to try to get people to believe and then feel like we're a failure when it didn't work.
3: It's, it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like Pharaoh... Um, he kept being told to let me people go or else, uh, or else we'll be punished. And he kept saying, no, then he ended up getting punished.
1: So he didn't believe, even though he watched, you're right. That's a really good example. He watched all these plagues come and happen and they were obviously from God. And yet he still said, no, no, no. And then finally he was broken after his son died and, and he said, all right, you can go. And then even then he changed his mind. Um, so, yeah, there are people that absolutely have that hardened heart who just are not going to believe.
0: So let's recenter the conversation a little bit, recalibrate. So we were talking about um, you know, part three of this pod- podcast series was supposed to be about primarily about um, the reasons that the Christian faith is is the true faith. Right. When I say Christian faith, I mean the historical 2000 year old Christian faith. Right. Um and so there's this whole field of apologetics we talked about and obviously we can't get I mean that's that takes years and years to get to <laughs> to study it all there's so much out there um so we can't obviously go into all of that tonight uh but we can inter- just briefly introduce it right um so so if if you've not really explored if you're a believer or if you're not not a not a Christian believer Um, if you've never really explored the logical side, the sort of reasons um, to believe as opposed to just feeling it in your heart, if you've never explored that, there's a couple books I'd recommend. I mean, there's a a ton of books out there, and many of them are very, very good. Um, One of the most easily accessible or one of the most easy ones to read for someone who is not really familiar with all this is um, called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Um, I, I think it's, honestly, it's, it's written in a really cheesy way. <laughs> um, it, it just kind of reads, I can't think of a better word for it than cheesy. Um, but a lot of the content is, is pretty good. And I recommend that as kind of an introduction. I think another really good introductory book that is way less cheesy and, and very strong as well is called The Reason for God. Uh, by Tim Keller, Timothy Keller. And I've got that sitting right here with me. So in this book, he goes into, um, I'm pulling it up here. He goes into, I'm just going to read out some of the table of contents. So, you know, some of the issues he he addresses, Um, he addresses arguments like there can't be just one true religion, which is kind of what we addressed with absolute truth, right? Uh, Chapter two, how could a good God allow suffering? Um, The church is responsible for so much injustice. How can a loving God send people to hell? Science has disproved Christianity. You can't take the Bible literally. Um, The clues of God, the knowledge of God, uh, the, the true story of the cross, the reality of the resurrection. Chapter 13, I recommend that one very, very highly.
1: Isn't there also a case for Christ book for teens?
0: There is, there is. So that that's another one you could you could read I for know, for kids.
1: No one even started that one a while back.
0: Well, um, that was before they were, they were teenagers. teenagers and I think it was premature. It was premature. Overeager dad who wants to wants them to understand <laughs> some some logic. Well, maybe we should work through that at some point. I think so, so. So so. Um, the point I want to make, the sort of the main central point for this podcast today, is that no other, in, in my view, having studied this for, for 20 plus years, there's no other religion, including those that we've discussed in the past couple episodes, that has as compelling a historical narrative, basically that means that's not a, none of them are as persuasive as a story of Jesus and the church. And people have all kinds of objections to that, all kinds of reasons why they think the history of the Christian faith is weak. But every single one of them I've heard or read in in my 20 years studying this and talking with people of other religions and many of whom are my friends and atheists who are my friends. And um, every single one of those reasons has been pretty weak in my view. And there's a lot of roads we can go down and discuss when it comes to this issue. But the most important one, the most important, is the resurrection of Jesus. Did Jesus arise from the dead? If he didn't, then the Bible says that nothing Jesus said matters.
1: That's really important. So the most important thing about Christianity is what, Lila? Do you
0: remember?
1: We'll, even repent. well, yes, but why? Because <laughs> what?
0: She doesn't know because she was making hand signals at her sister and funny faces.
1: <laughs> I'll say it. It's Jesus rising from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything he said was a lie.
0: What's that called, Eva, when Jesus rose from the dead? What's the word for that? Resurrection. 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 So if he didn't rise from the dead, then nothing he said matters. Okay? It doesn't mean it was a lie, but it just means that nothing he said matters because he he did not have the authority of God behind him. But, and this is the most important thing, if he did rise from the dead, then what, Noah?
3: Then everything he said
0: does matter and is true. Very good. Then everything he said does matter. It matters a lot. If any man in the history, or any woman for that matter, in the history of humankind has truly risen from the dead, truly, then that what that person has to say about God, you should probably listen to it. And so that's what I would encourage each and every per- each and every listener today to study, is the resurrection of Jesus, whether it actually occurred. And, and, you know, there's, like I said, there, there's, or like we've been talking about tonight, there's the the sort of faith component to all this. There's the logic and reason component to all this. And what we're talking about right now is the logic and reason component to all this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Study that, and investigate it. I don't just mean by reading Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, who, by the way, are like famous atheists, right, in, in their books. Uh, I don't just mean that. I mean read carefully, read deeply, read widely, and understand the arguments that are made for and against the, the resurrection of Jesus. And I think if you approach it very honestly, if you approach this study very honestly with an open mind and heart, I, I, I believe the conclusion you'll come to is that the evidence that he did rise from the dead, the evidence for his resurrection is very strong. There's no absolute proof, right? There's no absolute proof that Jesus rose from the dead that we have today. I like mean, people back then had it because they saw him face to face, right? We don't have that today, so there's no absolute proof.
3: Because, but, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. You can talk.
0: But, so there's no absolute proof, but there is evidence, and there is strong evidence. And if you're asking, what is that evidence? Pick up some of these books and start with The Reason for God. Uh, by, by Timothy Keller.
3: What I was going to say is, um, so again, about not having evidence, they've actually found what might have been Jesus' tomb. We don't know for sure if that was actually Jesus' tomb, but it probably is. So, yeah.
0: Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Possible, but yeah. but and we don't know if it's true. But even if it was true, I'm not sure that particular thing helps anyone know if Jesus' claims were, re- were real or not. Yes. Right. So the mere fact that he was buried in a particular place, and we have maybe found that place, it's helpful. It, it's helpful to you know. I mean, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't really tell us if the things he said were true. It doesn't tell us if he rose from the dead, right? But there are things that that suggest that he did rise from the dead, and therefore everything he said is very, very important. And so, um, like I said, there's, I mean, the the study of Christian apologetics is deep and wide. Reason for God is a great place to start.
1: Um, There was something that we talked about when we were out on our walk the other day um, that I wanted to kind of highlight. Um, You know, we were talking just a little while ago about how, like, Eva had this experience where she was hearing the Holy Spirit or feeling the Holy Spirit speak to her and saying, like, I I exist, I'm real. And, you know, I've had experiences like that. And maybe we can do another podcast in the future about why we believe what we do um, and why we believe in Christ. But... Um, we talked a little bit, too, about how um, you know, other people will have experiences and they'll say, well, I, I, um, I had this experience and, and that, my, that experience told me that my religion is true. Um, I think it's really important to point out, and this is kind of branching off into a different area of, of, of religion in general, but um, it's important to know that there are, there are spirits out there. We cannot see them. But they absolutely speak to us, and um, a spirit may be telling you, like like it did with Eva. Like you can tell, you feel the Holy Spirit. Like I'm here, I'm real, I'm true. Um, but there's also evil spirits that will speak to you and tell you things that are not true. And um, we spoke about this yesterday. You remember this? I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? We were having this conversation about how people can be deceived and 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 especially when you're new to faith, you, you don't really have the discernment yet to know, is this the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Or is this a spirit who's trying to lead me astray? Um, and I think people who get that confused, um, you know, it does feel real, it does feel, you know, like, you know, a, 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 a an encounter with a spirit, absolutely. But you have to know, what to measure it against. So it's the logic that comes in. Like the Bible says you have, you'll know it by the fruit that it bears. You'll know if it's, if it's, you know, somebody telling you like, you know, go, go kill that person. Obviously that's wrong. Um, but it can happen in more subtle ways too. Um, just as a, I don't know, does that muddy the waters more or does that?
0: Um, I think it's a good thing to discuss in the future to kind of flesh it out. But, um, Trying not to be offensive, but I think it does muddy the waters
1: a little bit. Okay, that's totally cool. I do think it's you know maybe for for somebody who's a little bit more of a mature believer, like somebody older, mm-hmm. um, maybe Noah and Eva might understand a little bit better that um, you know there are there is a there is an evil spirit as well as a, as a holy spirit, and and the evil spirit is very convincing and very sneaky, super sneaky, and. Um, It's important to know, I think, for anybody that believes, that they have an enemy who is actively working against them, especially if you have declared yourself a Christian, you have an enemy. Okay, so um, we were talking before about logic and emotion. Um, I want you to think about your experience with, with Christianity. What if your Christianity was only logic? What kind of problems might that lead to? If you were only... Um, a Christian, because you logic—I I keep using that word—but logic your way into it. What might be a bad thing that would happen because of that?
2: You can't find the answer to five point three three times two.
1: Approximately seven.
3: What are you guys talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's this thing no, of.
2: I said if, if you said what would be a problem. If you rely on logic alone, I said, because you couldn't find the
1: answer to five point three. Well I heard you. I just Where's don't that? know what that means. That Are mean? you saying like a ma- like logic like a math problem? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's not what I mean. Like if you're if you only use reasoning to understand Christianity, what's wrong with that? Can you love God if you only have reasoning? No.
2: It's like it's like you're a robot.
1: Yeah. And
2: you're just like, God was existed
3: two thousand years. Because robots don't have feelings.
1: Yeah, like Alexa.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like
1: okay. Alexa. Like Alexa. God is not Alexa. Um. So yeah, there's not this, you you don't love God. You're not obeying God because you must. You're doing it because it's part of the formula. That is not like when when I when you think about how I feel about you, is it a formula? Do I, you know, like check the box of Give one hug every day. Give one kiss every day. Check, check, right? Sorry, you're crying. Can't hug you. Already gave you your hug today. <laughs> That's not how it works, right? It, you cannot logic your way through it. There's, there has to be another component to it. The logic is important. And yes, I, you know, as your mom, um, I use my logic to take care of you in the same way that you have logic um, in your relationship with God. But it's not enough, Right? Think about how sad your life would be if I was just a logic mom, if I was just a robot. That would not be fun. Now, what if it was only emotion? What if your relationship with God was only emotional? Why would that be bad?
3: Because then you wouldn't know he's real.
1: Well, I believe he's real. I feel he's real. But why is just emotion bad?
3: Because um, it could be a bad spirit.
1: It could be. We talked about that.
0: You won't be able to prove it? Yeah. It hinders your evangelism. If if Explain you, what you mean. well what I said earlier, if if you're talking to someone who is someone of a different faith, or if you're talking to an atheist, they feel they what they feel inside is just as strong to them as your faith may be to you. And so, just saying that, oh well, just, you just need to feel it. That's not going to persuade any anybody by itself anyway. And so you need to be able to give a reason for your faith. As Peter says in the Bible, be ready to give a reason for why you believe what you believe. And um, if you don't have a reason, if you don't have some of that logic and reason, you know, element to your faith, then why would anybody believe what you have to say?
1: Yeah, and I think, too, um, if you're only going by emotion, emotions change. And I mean, I know in my own, my relationship with God, there are times when I'm angry at God. There's times when I am just bored with God or times when I'm just, I can't get enough of God and they're constantly changing, right? And there's nothing wrong with having those feelings toward God. But if that's all my relationship is just based on how I feel, that's a faith based on me, isn't it? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah and I can't I can't make my feelings my religion my feelings are not my faith does that make sense because God is so much bigger than me you know being angry at him or God is so much bigger than um me being really thankful to him or whatever Um, those are feelings those are good things to have you know that's a good part of the relationship but just like your relationship with, like, your dad and me or with anybody else, you can't just have emotion. Like, what if, as a mom, I just used emotion when I, tra- when I like, talk to you? You would act weird. I would act weird. <laughs> <laughs> I might.
3: Well, you kind of already do,
1: but. <laughs> <Dang>. hey, <Snowa>. <laughs> <Burn>. <laughs> so do you. Anyway, what if I was like, you know, I don't feel like teaching you, you know, important things today. I'm just not going to. That wouldn't make me a good mom. Or what if I said, you know, I really want you to like me. So I'm going to do all this stuff to let you do whatever you want just because I want you to like me. I'm not being a good mom, right? You have to have both the the emotion and the reasoning together. You can't have just one. Your faith will be weak if you have just one. Okay? Mm -hmm. So tonight we talked about we went from you know establishing that truth exists to coming to this conclusion that Christianity is true. And there's a lot of stuff that we could have discussed and we didn't really um, have the time to get to. But the point is that um, some people aren't going to believe no matter what, but we still need to try. That we need to approach um, our, our, our relationship with God with both logic and reasoning for our own well-being and for the people around us and the people that we're trying to evangelize to. Was there anything else that we we talked about? Yeah,
0: uh, what I would summarize for for my part um, would be that if you're talking to if you're a believer and you're talking to somebody of a different faith and you're trying to explain to them why you believe the Christian faith is is the true path to God and all others are not. Like I said before, I'll say it again: focus your discussion on the resurrection of Jesus. Did it happen or did it not? What are the arguments for it? What is the evidence for it? What is the evidence against it? And, you know, like I said, you can't prove it. But the evidence is, in my view, very, very compelling. And if that is true, if you can persuade someone that, hey, maybe that maybe the resurrection actually could have happened. Maybe this once in a lifetime, once in a, you know. How many people have been resurrected, right? So if this very, very exceptionally rare event, miraculous event actually occurred, then what does that mean? That means that what Jesus said is true and what every other religion said falls apart. It crumbles. And so that's that's my one main takeaway message to you, the listener today, and from these three past episodes.
1: Yeah. There's a lot that we did not cover, but, um, I hope that you kids at least got a sense that, um, you know, there's a lot of reasoning behind why we believe what we believe. And we want you and expect you to have reasoning for why you guys believe what you believe. Um, we expect you to think it through and talk about it and ask questions and, you know, um, but also have that emotional relationship with God as well. And as dad said, you know, contemplate what, what it means, um, for all of eternity and for everybody in the world, what the resurrection means. So I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. If anybody doesn't have any other comments no? Okay. God, thank you so much for um, giving us this opportunity to gather together this evening um, to study you, to look at you, think about you, think about who you are. Um, I pray that this podcast tonight would encourage my children to think about you deeply, differently, to think about you as um, as their God, and that um, we could continue to have those experiences with the Holy Spirit, where we know that it's you um, speaking to us, and that you give us um, your presence, the gift of your presence, God. Um, I thank you for uh, for Daddy for um, for his understanding of apologetics and his willingness um, and zeal to teach it to us, and I thank you for. Um, just the way that He he loves our family and cares for us. I pray that this message tonight um, also reaches people who need to hear it and need to maybe ask some questions, ask some hard questions, think about um, their relationship with God and, and where it falls on that um, logic and um, emotion scale. And I pray that um, if there's anybody that has come to that conclusion tonight that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is real, and they feel that Holy Spirit pricking, I pray that um, that God, that you would people to be, um, closer to you, show them where to go, get them plugged in, um, that they would let us know, um, about that decision. And God, I just pray that, um, your word would go out and change us forever, that we would never, ever, ever be the same after we hear your word. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us. That was such an incredible gift. And I thank you that Um, You gave us your most precious thing so that you could have a relationship with us. That's something we should never forget. We love you, God, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.